Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. We are in the Blessed Life series. I do not have a PowerPoint. I actually shut it off because I think the Lord wants me to shift a little bit of my message this morning. I sense that the Lord wants to reveal some things that have been in our hearts, as well as um, posture each of us and position each of us in a place for personal spiritual breakthroughs. It, it, is so, it is so often that we don't recognize, like we will separate out. Hey, Chris, I'm getting a little feedback. If you could double check on that a little bit. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's really when I come out to the front. So it might, you might just want to, and you probably pull me back just a skosh. Cause, or uh, check the low end on my EQ too. Yeah, I'm not in a tin can. That's a, that's a bonus, right? Sometimes I'm like, um, okay, thank you so much, Chris. I think that'll do it. Appreciate it. Um, sometimes we have a hard time thinking about the things in the natural, like stuff that we feel and touch, the things that we deal with every day in our life, and we have a hard time sometimes thinking what's in the natural and making it spiritual. I think we all struggle with that. I think it's pretty normal, but yet the Lord is very clear. There is nothing in this world that is not spiritual. Have you ever heard the phrase that uh, you're so, earth, so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good? I've heard it. I've heard that phrase. We just reject it. Because if you, now you can be uselessly minded. Like so internally focused on yourself that you're of no use to anybody. Right? And the idea, hopefully, when you're in your path of self improvement and becoming more like Jesus, that you do take some personal time to reflect on whether or not you actually look like Jesus. That's a good way to start. Okay, and as you go through your process, as God matures you, as he grows you, your eyes go from being inward to outward. Amen. And so one of the things that we have to begin to really begin to wrestle with in our soul, right, in our spirit and in, in who we are is how are the things that I'm working in the natural? What are the things in the present and how did they impact things spiritually? When you make dinner, is that a spiritual effort? For some, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I am blessing my husband. I'm blessing my children. Exactly, and I think that's that's exactly the point. Not not in the angry way. I just did it. I'm sure that you just are all love and blessings all the time. Yes, but. No, I, I know. But, um, but there's this reality that what you do every day in the natural is should have spiritual impact. It should have spiritual impact. And as followers of Jesus Christ, those people who said, Jesus, we make you Lord of our lives. We are no longer going to live according to our wisdom and our ways. We're going to choose your word and your ways above our ways. We're going to honor and submit to your lordship in our life. As if you're a follower of Jesus, that should not make you uncomfortable. 
<laughs> I'm just saying, some of us have a little spirit of rebellion, but you know, like we just need to, need to know. At following Jesus means that we give him complete lordship of every aspect of our life. That's why it always cracks me up when we talk about finances and people set it to the side as if it's not spiritual. It's 100% spiritual. In fact, Jesus directly ties our money to our hearts. Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where you invest your finances is where your heart is. And some of us are in love with retirement. Some of us are, <laughs> what? She goes, ooh, she like had a visceral, like a little retirement. Ooh. That's awesome. Some of us are in love with our comfort. So we'll spend a lot of money to be comfortable. You know what, what actually takes up a huge volume of time and money in our lives that, that you might not think of being a place where your heart is, but what about your entertainment? What about how you look in front of your friends on social media? Eh, not this group. <laughs> the interesting thing is that all of it is spiritual, and we have to continually bring all these things right back unto the throne of grace. We have to bring it back to the Father. We have to submit every aspect of our life under the Word of God, under the will of God. We started this series... For several reasons. One of the first reasons was at the beginning of the year, the Lord gave me three principalities in the region that we just needed to begin to kind of shed off of us. We needed to start getting it off of us, right? Like God's going to take care of the big stuff out there, but when it comes between us and the Lord, we've got to make sure we are not of the spirit of this world. Okay, so we started off first and foremost with this issue of communication and twisted communication and the spirit that's behind that's called a Leviathan spirit. We'll do some teaching on that this year because we actually need, one of the things that's preventing momentum and movement is the Leviathan spirit. It's twisting and, and, and weird things are getting communicated and stuff's happening. You're like, wait, what's happening? Like, I didn't hear that. I didn't see that. And people are offended and, you know, all time, like, or we will even say things that we don't even realize we're saying. So we got to get that off of us, right? So we did a whole series on the Lord's Prayer because in order for us to really step into freedom of communication, we have to have a freedom of communication lines with God. Like get the bound, like he gave us a, an absolute protocol that is absolutely amazing to set you free and to be a deliverer to those around you. It is absolutely beautiful. That series is online. Just go to hvwc.com or YouTube and pull it up. It's all there. Now, the next one we did was specifically around one of the strongholds over this region, which is a religious and independent spirit. I don't need anybody. I don't need anybody in my life. I especially don't need anybody giving me guidance, direction, or having any level of accountability and control in my life. As if, you know, we, we use the word control and we think, that's horrible. Well, I hope that the Holy Spirit controls you. 
I hope that you're submitted to the Holy Spirit that when he whispers, you move. You, your ability to, I'm going to use a big nasty word now, your ability to submit to God has everything to do with whether or not you're going to live a life of obedience. If you can't submit to God, you're not obedient. So we, so we, did, uh, we did a series on culture of honor, which is how do we partner in relationship with each other in a way that honors the Lord, that removes that independent, rebellious spirit off of us? Leadership in the kingdom of heaven is submission and service. Leadership in the kingdom of heaven is submission and service. If you have an unsubmitted leader, then you will breed unsubmission beneath you. Right? You, you, when people follow, they actually follow. They like will step where you step. Right? Okay. So if I am as a leader, and I know I'm a leader, God called me as a leader, and he's, he's had men... Uh, come alongside me and appoint me into positions of ministry um, nationally. He's appointed me into uh, positions of ministry regionally. People have come alongside and they've laid hands on me and they've said, you are appointed unto this task. Now, because of that, I carry a level of authority. Now, what does the authority mean? I stay submitted to those in whom have appointed me. If I move out of submission, I'm now out of alignment with the will of God for my life. Guess what? Sometimes I don't like it. Yeah. But this message really it means that, that as we learn to partner with one another, we learn how to, uh, in the course of, of a lot of the New Testament, there's this word that comes up a lot in, with submission. And really, it's about willful cooperation. So we, we take time to willfully cooperate with one another giving place to one another so that the will of God might be done. If I'm here to fight for me and for what I want, I will never be able to actually partner with people in ministry. Because now I want what I want so bad that I'm controlling what you do in order to get what I want. That's ugly. It's ugly. We don't want that. Of course, you know, that's why I, we have a, Meek and I, have, have brought around us some godly individuals to say, hey, Chris, that was a little controlling, or that statement might not have, this is the, that statement that you said was good, but it might not have getting, got your point across just right. You might want to rethink how you delivered that message. <laughs> uh, it doesn't happen too often, and I enjoy when it does. If you're submitted, you enjoy correction because that means that you're actually a wise person because the wise person loves to be rebuked. That's what Proverbs says, right? Wise people enjoy rebuke. What? Oh, boy. Come on, the folly meter. <laughs> like a lot of people are like, oh, no. We enjoy rebuke because we know that when wisdom is brought into our life and it corrects something in our life, it's not, a, it's not somebody saying you're bad, you're evil, you're wrong, you should be ashamed or condemned or any of that. It's saying, this is not who God says you are. I need you to listen to the Lord and come up to the place in which God has called you. Because how many of you are there? Good. No hands. That's great. You know you're not there yet. So we have to have people speaking into our lives that we can trust, that we value. 
Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you. So we did culture of honor. And well, part of it, you know, if you're worried about being controlled, you better learn how to have boundaries. So we did a whole series on boundaries in there, right? I can only control me. Somebody say amen. Say, say it with me. I can only control me. Hallelujah, you got it. So when I choose to set up a boundary, it's about what I'm willing to do, not me forcing you to do anything. You can continue to do whatever you got going on. I'm choosing to no longer participate in that. I'm choosing to either withdraw myself or take a stand or draw a line or I'm going to create a boundary here because this is not where I'm supposed to be and I will not participate or interact with you in that manner. If you don't know how to speak respectfully, we're not going to have a conversation until you can. It's my boundary. My ba- like, I'm not going to have the conversation until you can be polite. Figure out why, why you're angry. <laughs> Do something like, you know, and there's, there's points where we need to get into it. How many, I mean, come on, the core team knows. Some of my best friends know. I have no problem confronting things and we can be heated. Sometimes it's actually a blessing to have some of the emotions flowing, but we don't violate each other's boundaries. You can have hard conversations and not violate a boundary. Okay, good. Awesome. So we did that series. That's all online as well. And now we're in this series because I believe that we need to break the spirit of poverty off of this region. This spirit that says, I can never have enough. And I'll never have enough. The greedy, I can't have enough. Like, I always got to have more, 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 more. And then the, I'll never be able to make it. So with the blessed life, um, the first thing that we really had to deal with is the principle of first fruits. Uh, Scripturally, God is the one who always gets the first. The first is always his right? And this was a revelation. I had so many people after that first week come to me and go, oh my gosh, I've never seen tithing that way. I've never seen giving back to the Lord that way. I've never seen it. And like, I'm changing my whole game. I'm changing how I do all of it. I had multiple people like, whoa, that's transformative. It's beautiful to me because every single one of them was like, yep, God totally met me right there with, for some people, checks in the mail. Okay, how many people since we started last month, five weeks ago, we started this series, how many of you have received unexpected money that you did not expect to get? Raise your hand. Come on, there's a couple. Ding, 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 ding. Okay. John, where are you supposed your hand's supposed to be raised, John? Okay. Good. <laughs> Mika and I uh, received this week three checks from the state of Idaho. We were wondering how God was going to pay for that trip to Disneyland because it was paid for by Mika's parents. They took us down there, but yet we also did some shopping and we bought food and we, you know, we do all that. And we're like, how's that? Like, Lord, we're here. Like we, like, this is not part of our budget, but we felt a, an okay to go ahead and spend some money. And we're like, Lord, what's, where's the, all that going to come from? And we're kind of, we're just praying into it and boom, all paid for hundred percent pretty cool. Meek and I are doing a happy dance. 
You know, like God is so good. It just, you know, like, all right, thank you, Lord. Um, one of the things that, um, how many of you, here's the other question. How many of you have received unexpected bills in the last month? Okay, okay, all right. So, so one of the realities, remember I said everything that we do in the natural is very spiritual, right? And so one of the things that we recognize is that we've got to give God all of the first, right? The first is his. And, and he says that the tithe is the first tenth, not the last tenth. It's the first tenth and it's his. So with that, we talked about how tithing is biblical. It is normal. It is a blessing. And it's not invented by man to get money. We talked about the tithe, that it is to go to the house of the Lord, not to your favorite missions organization. It's actually supposed to come to feed the people who take care of you spiritually. Hebrews 13 is a really cool passage because it has this great thing where it's talking about spiritual leadership. And then he says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's in Hebrews 13. That comes directly in line with the passage talking about the fact that there are people who take care of your soul and who watch out for your souls. These are people that pray over you. These are people that teach the word of God to you. These are people that actually you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to honor them and their authority. And they, Paul really, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, I think it's Paul. He, he makes this statement that just messes with people. It is better for you to submit to their authority. It will not be good for you if you don't. It's very interesting. You're looking at Hebrews 13.8. Okay. One of the things that's really important here is it's not about a man. It's about Jesus. Again, the natural is spiritual. How many? You should all have a deep spiritual, intimate relationship with Jesus. Yes. And yet, for some reason, God thought it was good that he appoint men and women in ministry to have authority over large groups of people. God did that. Not, not, not man. God did that. Read Paul. Read the epistles. It's crazy. And there's so many times where Paul says, I could have come in the authority that I wanted to, but instead I chose to come this way. So, understanding that the tithe comes to the house of the Lord is extremely important. Now, one, one piece of this that I will say as well um, that I think is, is really good is that if we don't get the heart right around giving, then um, we're giving in vain. God can bless anything. Agreed? He, he can bless things. But the, he actually said, if you do these things, then I will bless those things. So I'm going to jump back into my notes here for a moment um, because I went all over the place. A little bit of a review. All right. Um, let me just say this. There's a handful of principles that we know God wants us to partner with him that lead to blessing. Okay. Um, for the note takers, principle number one that leads to blessing is stewardship. Stewardship leads to blessing. Managing heaven's resources for the father's business. Amen. So you don't have resources. They're the father's. Man, it got quiet. 
We must manage our money, we must manage our time, energy, and emotions to honor the Lord. Just a couple questions. Are we paying attention to heaven's gifts, blessings, and resources that he entrusts us with? Are we paying attention to what he wants to do with it? This is stewardship. Because if I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do with it, that's good. But if I am treating it as if it's my own to do whatever I want with it, I am out of alignment with God's principle of stewardship. So Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. It is all His. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. It is all His. What we do with what God gives us is an issue of life and death. So Jesus in Matthew 25 tells the parable of the stewards, of the different stewards. And in in Matthew 25, 29 through 30, he says, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from whom him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant or steward into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Thanks, Jesus. Stewardship is managing what God gives us for his purposes, not our own. Second principle is first fruits and tithes, and we talked about that just briefly. This is about this is um, making sure God gets the first ten percent. One of the things that I think about: Am I so captivated with the Lord that I trust Him with every penny He has given me to steward? <laughs> Can I trust God with all the pennies? Because He says, "If you give me ten, I'll bless. I'll bless ninety. I'll do more with your ninety than you can do with a hundred. And that's just how God works right? Does he have my heart? That's always a big question. Uh, One aspect of stewardship is being free from debt, right? This is about stewardship and choosing to live according to the blessing he gives us, not just the blessings we feel we are entitled to, right? So, So dealing with debt, often we will go into great levels of debt because we believe we deserve it. And he hasn't given us that blessing yet, So sometimes we need to slow down and be a little bit more patient for God to actually bless the work. Bless the seeds so you can have a tree and get more apples and more seeds instead of eating all the fruit off the tree and wondering why there's no new trees. All right. Next principle is contentment. Contentment. Oh, let me just say this about debt. I I forgot to mention my verse right? Because we want to we preach biblical messages here. <laughs> Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant or slave to the lender. Being debt-free is about freedom. And you might not live the lifestyle that you think you deserve yet. Meek and I have just been, as we've been studying this series and we're having these conversations, there are things that we are just getting convicted on. Like, wow, we made that decision. 
financially. And wow, I've, no shame or condemnation, just this realization like, I can't believe we've made the financial decisions that put us in bondage to something. Which the next, the next piece that's really important is contentment. 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 Learning to live grateful without envy. This is one of the keys to breaking the poverty spirit, is learning how to be content without envying what other people have. Much of our sorrow today is based on what we don't have. God, why haven't you given me? Why haven't you done this thing for me? Why haven't you done that for me, God? It is deeply selfish and God will not partner with people that blame him for the consequences of sin and even their own choices. God won't partner if you're blaming him for your problem. He's not going to partner with you in that area. So, how do you get out of agreement with that? You recognize, okay, I think I'm believing a lie here, and I choose not to believe that lie anymore, God. I ask that you would forgive me for believing that lie, and I'm choosing to live my life differently today. I believe the truth that you're my provider. It's all yours anyways, and I can live and trust you moment by moment, and I can give it all to you, and I can be grateful for everything that I do have, and I trust that you're going to give me everything that I need, because that is a promise in Scripture. So God, I've missed it. Teach me how to live content. Contentment. Contentment. It's actually the 10th commandment. Did you know that? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. The donkey. It's about economy. It's about money. It's about money. It's about economy. Guys, get it. Get it. Like, like okay. So this is why he talks about the servants. Don't covet how big their business is. Don't cover how much money they make because they got servants in the, and, and if you're a man, she's got a, a wife that's pretty, right? Or the male servants or the female servants. Or don't covet, don't long and desire and be envious of what other people have. I'm telling you, this is a real life struggle this week. My wife Rear back, rear-ended herself right into Dennis's truck while he was painting. Right, just backed right into it. Boom. Well, we're getting it fixed. Well, what kind of vehicle gets dropped off? Twenty, twenty eighteen BMW X two. I'm like, I'm like, can you call the rental company because I want to make sure I can drive that. Um, like I've driven lots of BMWs, but this is, this, this is next level. This is really <laughs> so fun. Just a brilliant ride, and it's got juice. Even more than the Suv, and she got a turbo. You know, it's like 
handles perfectly in the snow. So I'm like, Lord, I just give you my covetousness and my envy of my blue Nissan 2010 Rogue. I totally was having a moment with the Lord like, okay, God, I'll just give that to you. I'm not going to come into agreement. Uh, well, you know, a $35,000 car versus a $70,000 car. You're like, where's that extra thirty? Oh, I feel it. I feel it's different. I feel it. It's a thing. I don't feel ashamed to tell you all about that. Why? I could just be real. I could be like, you know what? I had to deal with my own covetous heart this week. Right? We all deal with stuff, but don't pick up shame and condemnation over it. Amen? Amen. Amen. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10 says this. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Do you remember how last week that I preached, I talked about that the tithe solves sorrow over money? Like it's one of the keys to breaking sorrow off of your finances is the tithe. It, it's pretty cool. And it's actually like there's, you should go, oh, I don't think that one actually got recorded where I give my testimony and all that. Was something, something was funky with the sound. But um, the point being that as we, as we look at what God does when, with the first fruit and how it blesses us, one of the things is that it removes sorrow from our life. Contentment removes sorrow as well. The last principle that I really want to focus on today is the principle of multiplication. Okay, I'm just going to give you the two points because I don't want to bounce all over the place, but I, 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 I might. So I'm just going to give you the two points up front and then we're going to dig it out for just a minute. Are you guys good? Okay. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Amen. Principle number one on multiplication. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. The second principle is this. Only what is given away can multiply. Only what is given away can multiply. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. I want to read uh, about the feeding of the 5,000. We're going to read through that real quick um, and um, go from there. When you're there, say amen. Luke 9. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. 
Brother, can you heat me up? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. All right, Luke chapter 9, verses 12 through 17. Are we there? All right, I'm going to read this out of the New King James. It says, When the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions, for we are in a deserted place here. Okay, here's the picture. Here's the picture. They've been doing ministry all day. They're kind of in a, in a secluded place where there's no grocery stores nearby, right? There's no jack-in-the-box, Chick-fil-A, none of that business nearby. And, and they're like, oh, no, the people are getting hungry. I actually think they were the hungry ones. They're like, dude, we've been here all day. Jesus, can we eat, please? Right? So the disciples come together, and they have a conversation, and they think, you know, I, I, let's have this conversation in. How are we going to get Jesus to stop teaching? Because <laughs> he is not, he's still going. It's getting late in the day. He's going and going and going and going and going. How are we going to get, ah, oh, okay. Hey, um, Jesus, um, the people out there are hungry. Like tap them on the, the people out there are hungry, they need to eat. Jesus is like, okay, hang on everybody. Okay, now what, what? The people need to eat. All right, go ahead, go feed them. That was Jesus' response. Okay, you go give them something to eat. All right, see ya. I'm going to go back to my job. Start teaching again. <laughs> you give them so now the disciples gather back up. They're like, okay, what do you say? Oh, he's not giving us something to eat. What? Uh, we, we said we should feed them. <laughs> no, wait, wait, what? Oh, uh, he, he told us that we should feed them. We don't have anything. Right? And in the parallel passage in, uh, in Matthew, it says that they found a little boy <laughs> and they, they took his lunch. <laughs> right? <laughs> like five loaves and two fishes. So they're like, okay, okay, here, here's, 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 you know, go back. I'm taking some liberties. Okay. So go back and tell them, tell them that this is all we got. All right. Okay. So, uh, hey, Jesus, uh, we have only. Uh, uh, five loaves, two fish, but unless we go and buy food for all these people, no one's going to be able to eat, right? There's about 5,000 men plus women and children, right? And they, they were not in America. There was more than two kids per household, okay? <laughs> all right? So it was likely 20 to 30,000 people. So they're like, um, Jesus, what are we going to do here? He's like, all right, well, here's what you're going to do. Give me the, give me the food, and uh, you guys go tell everybody sit down in groups of 50. What? Groups of 50? Groups of 50. You want... Did you not see the five loaves and the two fish and you want people to sit in groups of 50? Right? Doesn't make any sense. Okay. All right. We've seen this before. Jesus has us do stuff that makes no sense, but it works out. So they go, they put them in the groups of 50, right? And then, uh, notice this. Jesus had the disciples do the work, right? Go find the food. Go put them in 50s. Many of us are, Jesus, we need to eat. 
And he's like, okay, go get a job. <laughs> the disciples actually did their part. Do you hear what I'm saying? The disciples did their part. Now listen to this. He says this. Verse 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the, the multitude. Now, now, now follow me here for a moment. Imagine that you are Peter. I think we could all... I think we've all stuck our foot in our mouth at least once. So I think all of us at some point believe that we could be a Peter. Like we said the thing that shouldn't have been said. <laughs> That's Peter. Okay. All right. So imagine you're Peter. We're going around. We got some fish and some bread in our hands. Could you imagine walking up to the first person? This is all I got. There's 30,000 people, but this is all I got. So, well, what, did you take a little bit? Smaller. <laughs> Smaller. Just, just a pinch. Just a little, just, just a sliver. Okay? Take it. That was a lot. I don't think it's going to last. Next, Okay. He's a hog. Unbelievable. He took such a huge, huge piece. Right? Gets to the next person. Colleen takes it. All of a sudden, Peter looks down and he... It's whole again. Wait. People are taking from the blessed loaf to supply for their need... And his supply never changed. His supply never changed. Do you imagine the moment you had that realization? Like, I'm 10 people deep and nothing's moved. You know what I do? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Here, <laughs> take a bigger bite, please, because I know they, you're going to be starving here in a minute, right? So she, she takes, a, takes a bigger bite. Now, the other piece that's interesting, and, and it says this, that at the end, they gathered up 12 baskets. Each of the disciples, people took so many fragments off of those broken, blessed pieces of bread that they came up with a whole, a whole basket full of extra. So people weren't just eating the bare minimum of what they could. They were taking as much as they could. But you know why? They're watching a miracle. You don't want to participate in a miracle? Give me a piece of bread and fish, please. Really? I'm going to be full? Full, full? Do you know how often people in that society were full, full? Not very often. They got full, full on the blessed bread. Can I just say this? The miracle didn't happen in the master's hand. It happened in the hands of the disciples. The miracle happened in the hands of the disciples. Verse 17 says, So they ate and were filled, and 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. Something must be blessed before it can multiply. Unfortunately, many Christians fail to understand that before your money can multiply, it has to be blessed. 
How is our, night, how is our money blessed? We participate in the tithe. That starts to bless. That blesses it. And then what you have in the 90, what you give away, that's where the multiplication happens. I'm, I'm just, the scripture, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just telling you, this is, this is what the word says. Are we teachable today? Yeah. Are we willing to learn God's principles and God's ways? Yeah. Okay, good. Because, I mean, I feel the pushback and I understand it. I understand that I'm not here to manipulate you or push you in any direction. I'm just telling you, God says that he blesses those who tithe. Multiplication happens when you give away what's yours. Because he gives you the 90 to do as you wish. And hopefully you steward it according to his principles. Amen? Amen. 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 We're good stewards. Amen. Okay, good. We're good stewards. We love stewardship. And I'm not uh, Dave Ramsey, huge on Dave Ramsey. But let me tell you one of the beautiful things about Dave Ramsey, okay, is that if you're going to steward, you're going to try and not be in debt. And you're going to try and live within your means. You're going to try and stay content. It's all good. It's all good. Now listen to me. As good stewards, we bring the tithe into the storehouse. The tithe is never yours to give. It's not an issue of generosity. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you give or are generous with the tithe. He says, the tithe is mine. Jesus says, well, Hebrews tells us that Jesus receives our tithes. So remember, it's His, and when we give the tithe to the house of the Lord, when we do that, we are giving it unto Jesus who receives it in heaven and then blesses your finances. This is His principle. This was not made by man. We've, okay, go back a couple of weeks, watch it again online if you're really struggling with it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dive into this again. But we bring the tithe because, because it's not ours. Nowhere does he say give a tenth. No, bring the tenth. It's mine. Now with the 90, he says you do what, do what you want and you should probably focus on giving some of that away. <laughs> I know, I, I heard that. <laughs> I heard the hamster wheel like go, <laughs> and a couple of us. <laughs> Romans eleven sixteen says this, and I think it's really important. It says, For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. When we give the first fruit, when we get the tithe, it makes the whole thing holy. It sets the whole thing apart for the Lord. When we give the tenth, all of our finances are set apart for the Lord. Isn't that cool? I love that. I've seen many sweet and uh, loving Christians who've never seen their finances multiply. Often the reason is that the money hasn't been blessed, right? They're like, I'm going to give here and I'm going to give there, but they refuse to tithe. It's like, wait, this is the principle God established in order for you to live in that blessing. 
And, and if that's somewhere that you're at, I, we celebrate when you take one step. I celebrated when Micah said, I'm going to start giving 2%. I just, all I can do, single mom raising three kids in a financial battle. She gave her testimony a few weeks ago uh, in a gnarly divorce and she's going through it. And you know what? God convicted her. She's like, I'm just going to start with two. God bless the two, right? Because it's what she had faith for. So start wherever you're at, but you want to begin to say, God, I'm going to, I want to invite your blessing into my finances. I'm going to start bringing the tithe into the storehouse. Now out of that, now we give above and beyond. Like to me, as a Christian, 10% is the minimum. I'm like, like, no, that's, don't do this if you're given the 10. That's God's. How does a generosity, if it's his already, it's his. Just give him what's his. Just give him what's his. Now, when we move into multiplication, it's because I'm choosing in this 90% to give above and beyond that. 10% because the 10% is his. So everything I give above that now is an opportunity for multiplication to kick in. Are we good? All right. All right, here we go. I think I said all that. Amen. All right, now only what is given away can multiply, right? We're looking at the feeding of the 5,000. The food had been blessed. Therefore, it had potential to multiply. But if they had eaten it themselves, it would have remained five loaves and two fish. My hunger means more than their hunger. Oh, snap. Robert Morris, the author of The Blessed Life, makes this point that multiplication happens when you give above the tithe. It's interesting that Malachi 3, in Malachi 3, God says, you have robbed me in tithes and offerings, right? And the point here goes back to the principle of the first and the tithe, right? Now, there's a lot of fear for ministers to preach on this topic. Would you agree with that? There's a lot of fear that surrounds it. Why? Why? Fear of man, criticism, losing committed members who disagree, people who feel like it's it's being forced or manipulated. You know what's great about doing a series like this is that we don't really have to talk about tithing again for probably a couple of years. Because we just, we just beat that, we just killed that horse. Okay, we didn't, you know, I mean, like, like we, we went out and shot the cow. It was done. Your sacred cow about your finances, we just took it out back and put a gun to its head. She said only in Idaho. That's great. Let, I'll just say this. <clears throat> People who participate in tithing have a similar testimony that their lives are blessed. When there's an alignment with generosity beyond the tithe, things become explosive in people's lives. I've seen it over and over. When people start to give beyond the tithe, what happens in their finances is insane. I've seen debt erased in huge quantities. I, I like, we've just seen crazy financial miracles when people get this in their soul. Now, let's deal 
with this reality and truth that this is a heart issue. Because if we make it about works and we give to get, we missed it wholesale. We miss it. This is why 2 Corinthians 9, I think, is so important. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation, very familiar passage. passage. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation, and we're going to close. I like you. Come on. That's, I need that answer every week. Woo! I'm a words of affirmation person. I'm on a cloud nine right now. All right. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 13 says, here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving all because God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything, every moment and in every way. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals, is even more extravagant towards you. First, he supplies every need plus more. He supplies every need plus more. Then, he multiplies the seed as you sow it. He multiplies the seed as you sow it. Why? So that the harvest of your generosity will grow. You'll be abundantly rich in every way as you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. The priestly ministry you are providing Paul says that as you sow above and beyond the tithe, it is a priestly ministry. It's a priestly ministry that you provide through your offering because it not only supplies what is lacking for God's people, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. For as your extremely generous offering meets the approval of those in Jerusalem, they're talking about a specific offering they brought up for Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God all because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them toward those in need. Because of this extraordinary grace, 
which God has lavished on you, they will affectionately remember you in their prayers. Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. This whole passage around sowing and reaping has nothing to do with the tithe. It's 100% about a special offering that was taken up above and beyond supporting locally. It was to give to another church that was in need. When we take up our missions offerings, this is what we're talking about. And, and we have one of the largest missions giving churches in, the, in our denomination in this region. It is mind-blowing how much money is given to missions here. Look around. We're not a huge church. But we give far more than churches that run four or 500 in missions. Praise God. So this is not a plea for you to suddenly do something different. Let's remember that our heart, our heart has to be in alignment with the goodness of God, in alignment with I give freely because he asked me to. I give freely because I'm prompted to give it. And what you sow, you will reap. And when you sow in the kingdom, you reap more than finances. You reap a harvest of righteousness. And you produce praise and thanksgiving to God. Amen. Will you stand with me? Father, we want to be people who are able to give generously and do that in, that, uh, in the capacity and ability that is... It goes beyond the norm that we're used to. So Father, I pray that you just would put on each of our hearts how to go to the next level in our generosity. Father, I thank you that you multiply seeds that are sown. So teach us, God, how to not just bring what is yours to you, but then to give what you've entrusted to us to meet the needs of those in the community, to meet the needs of those across the nations, to meet the needs of those who are, are broke and destitute and impoverished and in need. Father, I pray that you would put our eye on those who are in the ditch, those who are in, in the circumstances of brokenness and hurt and pain, that God, our generosity would meet real and tangible needs in the nations and right here in Bonner in Boundary County. God, I thank you that, that as a people of God, as we, we embrace the radical multiplication that comes through generosity, I pray that there would be an absolute hilarity in our giving, that we would choose to step into giving without any sorrow, no sorrow attached. God, it's all yours. And if you say, God, Chris, I want you to give a little bit more here, that we go, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. That it not be done out of compulsion, that it not be done grudgingly, that it not be done in a place where we feel forced to give something we don't want to give. But we would just partner and align our hearts with yours so that we can hear when you tell us to give so that we can give freely with joy in our hearts to be even to have the honor of partnering and changing a life through our finances. 
So Father, we're super grateful, super grateful. Father, will you teach us how to steward better? Teach us how to be content. To stop pining for the things we don't have. And learn to be content with what you've given us. Trusting you fully. Father, I thank you and praise you that you are so faithful to us. I thank you, God, that in all ways you are good. I'm going to give you a, a, a tip on um, big offerings and things that you feel like God's prompting you into. If you give a gift, like, like Kevin's going to preach on radical generosity in a few weeks. But I, I feel like it's important because sometimes we'll see a need and our heart will burn for that need and we will give far out of what God asked us to give. We'll give from a different capacity. See, he gives seed, bread for food, and seed for sowing. Bread for food and seed for sowing. If you feel like God's wanting you to give an extraordinary gift or something gigantic, will you please be bold enough to get some counsel? Will you please be bold enough to say, it's not a pride issue, like God's telling me to give away my retirement fund. We've seen people do that and be radically blessed. But what I'm telling you is that if that comes up, get some partners that can pray with you through it. Okay? Because sometimes I might be moved by a need more than I'm hearing God. Are, you, are, are we okay with that? Can we, can we do that? You feel like God wants me to give away my house? Right? Now, I've had prophetic words to people in this church that you're going to give away a house. But the first thing that person said was, go talk to your pastor about how to do that and honor the Lord in that. Right? So let me, I, I'm just telling you, we want to partner with you. I am not, I've never been worried about the finances of this church. Meek and I spent years off and on, sometimes like eight months at a time, not getting anything because we just didn't have capacity here. But you know what God did? He repaid all of it. He re like, you know, there was a season where I was working three jobs because I'm called. We do what we got to do. So we're not worried about what's happening here. We're not worried about how many of you are tithing. That's your issue and your blessing. <laughs> that's on you. Like, that's for you. Because God has everything here covered, 100% covered. I am excited to see many of you step into radical generosity that sows radical seeds where you give even out of your need to see God moving in radical ways. If you feel like an offering will hurt you, come talk to somebody. I'm serious about that. Okay, thank you. Now, here's the other, here's the other piece, little, little piece that I, I think is really important. As you pray about what to give, I want you to feel God smiling on the gift. As you pray, 
pray through your generosity until you sense the Lord smiling on the gift. You sense his pleasure around what you're giving. When you give above and beyond, wait till you have his pleasure and you experience like, oh, this is good. This is the Lord. I feel like very confident. And then give it joyfully with hilarity in your heart. Give fully, like joyfully, like, yes, we got to give it. Right? There's an excitement to it. Okay? Now, here's the last thing I want to do. Because many of us still need a major financial breakthrough. It is not easy to live in this beautiful place of Sandpoint and, and North Idaho. It's not. For some of us, it might be easier than others. For some of us, it's a struggle every single month just to make ends meet. It's a struggle to pay rent. It's a struggle to bring in enough income to eat and to do that. Now, listen, I want to release a financial blessing over every single person here that has struggled in any of these ways. Because listen, the Lord's plan for your life is to be able to give and sow without any sorrow. Amen. So if you have a checkbook, you got a wallet, you got a purse, I want you to put, put your hands on it right now, grab it, okay? Okay. All right. All right, now that you got that in your hands, we just say, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the provider. We thank you that everything is yours. You are the God of abundance. You are the God who brings breakthroughs. You are the God who releases hope. You are the God who has a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is yours and the fullness thereof. And so this portion of what you've given me, this portion of what you've given me, my income, however it may come, whether I'm on a fixed income or I'm on disability or it's income, it's from the Lord. Whatever it is, wherever that comes in, we dedicate all of this fully to you now. I dedicate every penny of our retirement fund to you now. I dedicate every income, every job, every place where the money comes from. I dedicate every source of income in my life. I give it unto you fully and I trust you with all of it, God. And in this place of trusting you with all of it, I ask God that as I partner with your principles that you would do what only you can do and you would bless these finances. Lord, I'm asking that you bless these finances in Jesus' name. I just release a blessing that removes every curse that's been spoken over your finances. We thank you, Lord, that you are I just sense that some of you as an act of faith need to give something to step into this new level. I'm not asking, I'm not telling you what to do. If you want to give a button or a piece of lint, don't care. I, I don't. God is asking most of you, maybe not all of you, but I would say God's asking most of you to give something towards something. Give something towards a ministry. Give something towards something that's going on that's outside and above and beyond and, and in some other place or, or one of the ministries here. Who knows? 
But I believe that, that as you pray, as you consider, and I'll give you a moment to do it today because I'm big on activation. Like if God's asking you to do it, just do it now. Take a moment, pray, consider, God, where do you want me to give above and beyond what I normally do? For the sake of your kingdom and don't give unless you feel like God's happy with it. Okay? I'm going to give you guys a couple of moments and then we'll be dismissed. So just take a moment and pray. Consider, God, what do you want me to give into? You can, if you're unclear, just take a look at one of the envelopes. You can grab a seat. Uh, You can take a look at one of the envelopes underneath the things. If you're not clear on where to give, give to missions. Give to, to Myanmar. Give to Nicaragua. Right? Give to Freedom House. Give to Helping Hands, Healing Hearts. Give to Healed Healers, right? This, this program that women are going through for healing right now. Men are going to be doing it too. Hallelujah. But, but so just sew in. Sew in. Maybe you want to support Jim and Kathy and Grief Share, right? And what, what they've got going on there. Sew into that, okay? So just consider, take a moment, consider. And pray until you feel like. God's happy with it. And if God says, you're fine, you don't have to do a thing, then don't do a thing, right? Just connect with the Lord on it. Don't ignore it because you don't want to. Watch your heart. God, you can have it all. It's yours. I'm going to do it by faith, trusting you. Hey, Jim, if somebody wanted to sow into grief share and the work you're doing, how would they do that? Yep. Okay. If you want to sow into Jim and, and, the, and the grief share that they're doing, then go, go check with him. Yep. You can also put it on the envelope and just put grief share on there and we'll make sure it gets over to him. So good to have you in the house, Jim and Kathy. Yep. Yep, what a blessing. Hallelujah. Okay, and with that, Father, we thank you. We give you everything. We surrender our lives. Pray, God, that you would just take every single person's gift and generosity wherever they decide to sow today, and that they would take that and that they would walk in great faith and great freedom. We're asking for for God, not only for your blessing to sit on their finances, but on their relationships, on their emotions, on their time. Father, may your blessing, which supersedes every curse from the enemy, just be poured out over their lives in great fashion today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation.
If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment, or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you.